of uh, scripture reading and prayer. We'll have our devotional uh, just by way of information so we can, uh, this is kind of new to us, what we'll do is following the invitation song, Brother Matthew Brown will begin the scripture reading. We will have three brothers come up and read uh, uh, passages from the Bible, and then uh, I believe Brother Joe is going to have our first prayer after those three passages regarding this particular topic that will be read for us. Following that prayer, Brother Carl will lead us in a song. Uh, then we will have three more readers in a prayer. I think Brother Foster is going to be our second prayer leader after the three passages. Uh, following that prayer, Brother Carl will lead us in a song. We will have three other passages. We will do this three times. Three passages, and then uh, Brother uh, Bobby Laster will be our final prayer leader as far as the prayer service is concerned. And then, of course, we'll just go right back into normal uh, we will uh, offer the Lord's Supper to those who had not had an opportunity to take it this morning, if there are any. And then uh, we will uh, have a closing song and a prayer, and just like we normally do. But this is our second Sunday prayer service. And I do want to remind everyone, if, you, if there's a certain thing that you have on your mind that you would like for us to cover, please let me know that. And I'm happy to put a service around that particular topic that we have on our minds. If you would, open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 14. The context of this is the first 15 verses, but I want us to begin reading with verse 4. Isaiah 14 verse 4 that thou shalt take up this proverb against the king of Babylon and say, How hath the oppressor ceased, the golden city ceased? The Lord hath broken the staff of the wicked and the scepter of the rulers. He will smote the people in wrath with a continual stroke. He that ruleth the nations in anger is persecuted and none hindereth. The whole earth is at rest and is quiet. They break forth into singing. Yea, the fir trees rejoice at thee and the cedars of Lebanon saying, since thou art laid down, no feller is come up against us. Hell from beneath is moved for thee to meet thee at thy coming. It stirreth up the dead for thee, even all the chief ones of the earth. It hath raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. And they shall speak and say unto thee, Art thou also become weak as we? Art thou become like unto us? Thy pomp is brought down to the grave, and the noise of thy vials, the worm is spread under thee, and the worms cover thee. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, I will exalt my throne above the stars of God, I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Have you ever heard the great tormentor Satan referred to as Lucifer? I've heard that nearly my whole life. And I'm sure at one time I thought that that was another name for Satan. Uh, however, I don't believe that's the case. For just a few moments tonight, this is a topic that may not always come up in conversation or one that is necessarily a sermon topic, but I think it is one that is important. I think that if we look at the context 
uh, of the statement under consideration here, we can come to a better and clearer understanding of exactly who Lucifer is. Verses 1 and 2 of chapter 14 is a continuation of chapter 13, which concerns the fall of the great tyrant, the king of Babylon. Isaiah doesn't have any particular king in mind. He is speaking to the spirit of all of the Babylonian kings who would come in the future. The uh, destruction of Babylon would be followed by the restoration of Israel. And the compassion shown by God to Jacob, or the nation of Israel, uh, would be an act of divine grace as he would lead his people back into their homeland. When we look at verses 3 through 11, this uh, passage that we read, this is a taunting song against Babylon. Now what I want us to keep in mind is this is a prophecy. This is a prophetic saying. This isn't something that had happened yet or would happen in the immediate future. Uh, Isaiah was not talking about uh, the old kingdom of Israel where God's people would be led back to, he was talking about the new kingdom of Israel. Again, this is a prophecy. And within this prophecy, we see that God's people would cleave together in the house of Jacob or the house of Israel. Now, that's the spiritual house. There would come a day when God's people would be able to rest from their sorrows. They would be able to come back to the homeland, and they would be able to again worship their Lord in the proper way. They would rebuild the temple. And keep in mind again, Isaiah's not talking about his day. He's looking to the future. He's talking about a day that one day would happen because Jehovah would break the staff of the oppressor and His people would come home, meaning they would be freed. They would be released. Now verse 12 begins with the description of the fall of this mighty person. And it is verse 12 that has been the basis for the controversy. That's where Lucifer has been named. The American Standard Version of the Bible does not use the name Lucifer. Instead, that version of the Bible uses the term O-Day-Star, Son of the Morning, only. Now many believe that this is a reference to Satan. It's a reference to his being cast from heaven. But Isaiah, as we noted prior to that, he described this event as a tree being cut down. He described this person as someone who weakened nations. Okay, Now the prophet is making mention of the great kingdom of Babylon. He's talking about the king of the future and that he would be so destructive and so evil that he would eventually be overthrown. Now let's look at history. When this was being written, Assyria was in power. Now, what would happen is Babylon would take over. We see the coming of the other nations and as they grew... And as they become more wicked, another nation would rise up and overcome them. And we see it all the way down through the time of our Lord. At one time, Babylon was a great nation. In fact, it was the most powerful nation in the world. We remember reading about King Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. We can't, uh, remember reading about King Darius. But where are they now? 
Where are all these great leaders? Where is the great kingdom Babylon? Just like all the other kingdoms, they've been relegated to the annals of history. No longer great and mighty nations, but the kingdom that God established and the one into which He would lead His people into rest, as the great prophet said, is still in existence today and is still in power. Nothing in this context has anything to do with Satan other than Satan is the source of evil, even the source of the evil of this great nation, Babylon. But Isaiah's intention here is that Babylon would be overthrown, would be, would be stormed, and, and they would be defeated. And that's exactly what happened. But it wasn't going to happen in the way Babylon thought. He describes their attitude. They wanted to, to, to lead all over the world. They wanted to exalt the throne of Babylon above the stars. Well, that's God's throne. That's not going to happen. God wasn't going to allow that to happen. They wouldn't sit upon the mount of congregation in the uttermost parts of the world. That wasn't going to happen. Now, I think this is a, a reference to their assembly of the gods that they had in the northern part of their kingdom. God wasn't going to allow that to stand. And I think Isaiah's words here are a contrast between the ambition of this nation of Babylon and the reality of what was really going to happen. You recall in the book of Daniel how Nebuchadnezzar had created this great image and, and he wanted everyone to bow down before it. Well, he thought he was God himself. We read about uh, Nebuchadnezzar walking out into the gardens, the hanging gardens of Babylon, and saying, oh, look at this great Babylon that I have created. And God punished him for that. And so we see that Isaiah here is not talking particularly about Nebuchadnezzar, but he is talking about Nebuchadnezzar's attitude and those who would follow him. He warned them to prepare for the slaughter to come because of the iniquity of their fathers. God is a patient God, but eventually His patience runs out. That's why we are the way we are. God wants us to be patient, but eventually our patience runs out and we have to stand for that which is right. The taking of Babylon by King Cyrus, we, re we recall that, of the Medes ended the reign of Babylon and it was King Cyrus that sent the children of Israel back home to that place of rest. But that's a figurative statement, isn't it? They would still be under bondage, but it was through the children of Israel that we would find our immediate or our eternal rest. Not only would Babylon fall to Cyrus, the Medes and the Persians would fall to Greece, Greece would fall to Rome, and where is Rome today? It's simply a city within a nation. It's no longer a world power. When any nation reaches the point of such corruption, God will see fit at some point to end their reign. That was true of John's Babylon in Revelation chapter 18. Of course, he was talking about Rome. And it was also true of the beast over which she ruled, the, uh, the pagan religions of Revelation 19. Lucifer is not Satan. Satan is not who Isaiah had in mind. He did, in fact have in mind the rulers of Babylon. Again, at the time, Assyria was the dominant power. They would fall to Babylon, and then that would bring on the rise of the Medo-Persian Empire, would bring on the rise of the Grecian Empire, and in that day of the Roman kings, our Lord would come into the world, and He would bring the gospel when it was the fullness of time, Galatians 4.4, 4, or exactly at the proper time. Satan was cast from heaven, no doubt. 
Isaiah's not talking about that. He's talking about the fall of a wicked king and a wicked nation and all those that really would follow. And so when we, when we begin to understand a passage, if we'll back up just a little bit and we'll look at the context surrounding it, we can come to a, a better understanding. It's difficult to read just a couple of verses and come to an understanding that the Holy Spirit has left for us. Because of all these nations and because it was the correct time, and each one of these nations provided something for the fullness of time. Language, travel, security, whatever it may be. And it ushered in the Christian age, and we need to take advantage of that. If you have never obeyed the gospel, we read the scripture, and Jesus himself says you have to believe on him, repent of past sins, confess his name before men, and be immersed in water for the forgiveness of sins. Once doing that, we continue to strive to live the way he wants us to live, to live in a way that would please our God. If we've done that, yet we've become unfaithful, He allows us to come back to Him through repentance and confession and prayer. If you have need to answer this Lord's invitation at this time, let that be known as we stand and as we sing.